I just recently celebrated my seventh anniversary of being on the staff at Calvary Church. And it's, it's, I mean, time flies. And in that time at Calvary Church, I've had some great experiences. I've also had some very intimidating and scary experiences. I remember a number of years ago, I was called by a family and I was asked to go visit a man in the hospital. And I was told that he was near death. And it, 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 I was nervous, I was overwhelmed, but it, it's, and it's not something you can say no to. And so I get in the car and I'm driving down to the hospital and I'm thinking to myself, what am I gonna do when I get there? What am I gonna say? Should I read scripture to this person? What scripture should I read? And then I remember that Josh Mateer, our pastoral care pastor, told me that Psalm 91 is a really good psalm to read when you're talking with somebody in the hospital. So as I'm driving, I, I flip open my Bible and I find Psalm 91. Now, I don't recommend this. It's kind of like texting and driving. It's probably not something you should do. You probably shouldn't read Scripture while you're driving, but I think, figure if God's going to protect me about anything, he's going to protect me when I'm reading Scripture. So I'm reading Psalm 91, I'm reading Psalm 91 in the car, and I'm reading, I'm thinking, you know what, it's it, it just not resonating, it just, this, this just doesn't, it doesn't quite fit. So in one of those, I hope God does a little miracle for me moment, I flip the page again, and I think, well, God's going to give me this one. So I don't remember what it lands on, but I read it, and, and that one doesn't fit. So I think to myself, God, one more time, come on, give it to me this time. So I flip the page again, and it opens to Psalm 121. And I start reading Psalm 121 again while driving. Please don't do this. Not a good idea. But again while driving, I'm reading Psalm 121. And as I'm reading it, I'm thinking to myself, this is it. This is what God wants me to read when I get to this person in the hospital. So I arrive at the hospital, and thankfully I arrive all in one piece and I'm still nervous, I'm still anxious about what's going to happen, but now I have a little more confidence. I know what I'm going to read. So I walk into this man's room, I introduce myself, I ask him to tell me about himself. So he begins to tell me about himself, he begins to tell me about his life, then he begins to tell me about his heart, and how his heart is failing, and he's getting sicker, and sicker. And there doesn't seem to be anything that the doctors can do for him. And I can see as he's talking that he's getting more and more anxious. He's becoming more and more afraid. And then he stops and he looks me right in the eye and he asks me, who will help me? Who will help me? It's a question that all of us have asked one time in our life or another. Who will help me? You may not be there this morning. You may not be asking that question this morning, but, but someday you will. And I know that you are many of you here this morning who are asking that question. Life is really hard. It's gotten really difficult. And you're not sure you can go on. You're not sure what to do. You're not sure what to say. 
you're afraid for what your future holds. You may be here and you have a job that is way beyond your ability and you just don't think you can get it done. You may be here and you're, you're going to be going back to school soon or you're going to be starting a new school and you're feeling overwhelmed. You may be here and there's a financial difficulty, a financial strain in your life that is just too big or you have a relationship that is bad. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're sick and you're near death and you're asking the question, who will help me? Well, if you haven't already, take your Bible and turn to Psalm 121. It's on page 440 in the Bibles that the church provides. Psalm 121. In the hospital on that day, when my new friend asked me, who will help me? I nearly jumped out of my seat because God had given me Psalm 121 to read to this man. And I feel exactly the same way this morning because I know that God has given us Psalm 121 for this morning. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Psalm 121 is the psalm that answers the question, who will help me? You see the superscription there to the psalm? It tells us that it's a song of ascents. This means that the psalm was a song that the pilgrims in Jerusalem, the pilgrims of Israel, sang on their way to Jerusalem. Every year, three times a year, the pilgrims, all the people of Israel, made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the three great annual feasts for Passover, for the Feast of Weeks, and for the Feast of Tabernacles, the Jewish people would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And on the way, on this pilgrimage, on this journey, the people of Israel would recite, they would sing this psalm. This is a pilgrim psalm. It's a traveler's psalm. And the psalmist knew that the journey was difficult, that the journey was dangerous, to get to Jerusalem, the pilgrims had to cross mountains and hills, had to go through valleys, deserts. And along the way, they faced many trials, many dangerous situations, overhanging rocks, falling debris, wild beasts and animals, robbers, thieves, and murderers. The journey's difficult, and so these pilgrims would cry out. They'd sing this psalm of ascent on their way to Jerusalem, this psalm recognizes that the journey is difficult and dangerous. And just like those pilgrims 2,000 plus years ago, each one of us, in a way, we're pilgrims as well. We're on, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're on a journey. 
And this journey that we're on is often difficult. It's often dangerous. It's often hard. And so this psalm is not only written for them, it's written for you and it's written for me as we journey towards Jesus. Now as we look at Psalm 121, we see that the psalmist addresses three questions. There's three questions that the psalmist addresses in this psalm. The first question is the question that we've already kind of touched upon. Who will help me? Who's going to be there to deliver me? Who's going to be there to protect me? And now we've read that it's God, and we're going to look at it a little deeper in just a minute. So the first question, who will help me? The second question is, can God help me? It's great to say God's there to help me, but can he actually help me? And then the third question is, what does God's help look like? Is it help that I'm even going to want? So three questions. Who will help me? Can he help me? And what does the help look like? So when we begin and we look at Psalm 121, we see words that are familiar to many of us. Look at that first verse again. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now notice here that the psalm begins in the first person. The psalmist seems to be talking to himself. He seems to be assuring himself of this truth that his help is going to come from the Lord. But as he's talking to himself, he's also talking to us and he assumes that we're listening, that we're right along with him, that we recognize that he's on a journey. And we recognize that he's on a journey and his journey is difficult. It's almost as if the psalmist himself, as he writes it, he's in the valley that he's experiencing the struggle, that he knows it's going to be difficult to get to his destination. So he looks up at the hills and he cries out, where is my help going to come from? He's looking up to the hills and he's expecting somebody to come over those hills, somebody to come over the hills and provide him help. Where is it that we look for help? When your road gets long, when it's difficult, when it's dangerous, when things aren't going right, who do you look to for help? When you need rescue, who is it that you go to to provide the rescue? Sometimes we look to family. Our families are there. They want to help us. We think they'll do anything for us. Some people look to family. Others of us, we look to our friends. All of us have some of those friends that we know if we call them or text them or tweet them, they will be right there to help us. Some of you look to your finances to provide help. You have some money saved up. You have money in your accounts. And you think to yourself, I have enough money. I know I can make it. I can get through this difficulty. Some of you look to yourselves, your experience, your gifts, your talents, your education, your intelligence, and you think to yourself, I can get through this. I can get the job done. I'll be able to help myself. But the psalmist here, he does something different. He looks to the hills He's wondering where his help is going to come from. And then it hits him. He remembers. He remembers where his help is going to come from. His help isn't going to come from family, from friends, from money, or anything that he can do himself. His help is going to come from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The Lord is going to provide his help. 
And when the psalmist writes here that his help is going to come from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, he's, saying, he's not just saying that the Lord is the maker of heaven and earth. He's saying that the Lord is the maker of everything. That the Lord is responsible and in control of everything there is. And this is huge. This is incredible. It begins to change everything for us. Our help doesn't need to come from our family, from our friends, from our finances, or from ourselves, because our help comes from the Lord. What do we have to worry about if our help comes from God, the maker of heaven and earth? What do we have to be afraid of if he is going to be there to protect us? Who do we have to fear if the maker of heaven and earth is there for us? Who will help you? Our Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's why it's so important that we hear stories like we heard this morning. Because it's so easy to forget. Because sometimes when you're in the valley, when the journey gets difficult, when it's dangerous, when you're experiencing sickness, disease, financial difficulties, when you have that job that you just don't think you can do, you seem to forget that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is there to help us. He is going to come to your rescue. He is going to protect you. He is going to be your helper. So when we hear stories like we heard this morning, it helps us remember. Look at how God showed up for Ellie. Look at how God showed up for David, for Judy and the Mozambique team. Ellie didn't think she had the right words to say. She said, in my weakness, God demonstrated his strength. Judy explained how the Mozambique team was at a loss, weren't sure that the Mozambique ministry was headed in the right direction. The village of Shinangani is experiencing difficulties. Are we doing the right thing there? David. David enters on a train and says, oh my goodness, I need to talk to that girl, but I'm scared of her. What, what am I going to say? Do you think that God was their helper? Yes, God is the person who showed up, gave Ellie the words to say, gave David the entrance to begin a conversation. The gift to the Mozambique ministry was an affirmation that the Mozambique team is headed in the right direction. These stories help us remember. They help us see that God is moving and God is active. And if he's active in others' lives, he's going to be active in ours as well. And think about it this way. We only know one perspective of, that, of those stories. There's a whole other side to each of those stories. Andrew, the little boy that Ellie spoke to. Alex, the young woman that David spoke with. The person who David shared Jesus with. The villagers in Shinangani. Do you think God is their helper? Yes. God showed up in each of those situations and provided help, rescue, and protection. Andrew and Alex now know Jesus. They now have life, and not only life here, but life eternal. The villagers in Shinigani, the women in Shinigani who are producing these goods, now have a means to get the goods to market and to be able to make a profit. And there's something that Judy didn't mention. Many of the girls in Shinigani, when they reach eighth grade, if they want to continue their education, they have to go away to school, a school that's about six to eight miles away from their home. 
which means they have to board at the school. They have to live at the school. And the problem historically has been that when these young girls go to this school and are boarded at this school, they face various types of assault. Now the villagers in Shinigami, because they have a truck to deliver their goods in market, also likely have a truck that is going to allow these girls to continue their education because they're going to be able to commute without the fear of being assaulted. God is at work. God is moving. And it helps each one of us who are in the valley, who are experiencing difficulty, it helps each one of us remember that God is active. Who will help you? The Lord will help you, the maker of heaven and earth. After the psalmist answers the first question, who will help, the psalmist now gets more personal. Remember what I said, that the first two verses are in the first person? Now the language changes from the first person to the second person. He wants each one of us to know that this is for each of us. He's going to tell us that God is not only the one who provides help, but that God is capable of providing the help. Look at verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. These verses provide us great images of God's help. He is our helper and our protector. First, I want you to note that we're introduced to a very important phrase. Our NIV says, he who watches over. See that? He who watches over. In other translations, it says he who preserves or he who keeps. This is the Hebrew word shamar. And in these eight verses, the Hebrew word shamar is used six times. Nowhere else in Scripture is this word used so frequently. And this is the big idea of the whole psalm. God is our helper. He is the one who watches over you. And then in these verses, we see how God watches over us. Look first in verse 3. First, it says, he will not let your foot slip. Keep in mind, when these pilgrims are on their way to Jerusalem, they're often in mountain terrain, hilly, rocky, mountainous terrain, narrow paths, and it's very common or probable that their foot may slip. And the psalmist says, no, no, no. He will not let your foot slip. Remember a few weeks ago, we were in Psalm 73, and Asaph, the leader of worship in all of Israel, says, Lord, my foot almost slipped. But it was God who kept Asaph's foot from slipping. Then the psalmist goes on, and he says twice that God is not going to fall asleep on the job. He stays awake. Now, this is important, isn't it? Because if you have somebody watching over you, if you have somebody that's going to help you, you don't want them to fall asleep. It's not a good idea to put your faith and trust in anybody who is going to sleep. So the psalmist says, no, no, God doesn't sleep. God's always awake. God does not slumber. Have you ever, try, have you ever tried to stay awake for a long time? I think my record, my personal record, is about 24 hours. It was on a road trip back from Florida. Now, I know many of you have... have Bigger war stories than that. Mine was about 24 hours. I'm kind of weak, and I like my sleep. There was one time when my, um, my son Jeff, he's my oldest, he was about eight or nine at the time, and we were staying at my, um, my mother-in-law's house, 
And, and, and Jeff, I think he had the flu. He definitely had flu-like symptoms. And I thought to myself, I'm going to be the good dad. I'm going to be super dad, and I'm going to stay awake with Jeff all night long because he has these flu-like symptoms, and he's going to the bathroom every half hour. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be the good dad. I'll stay awake with him. I'll just, even when he's asleep, I'll just, I'll watch over him, and I'll, I'll just kind of rub his head and make sure he's doing okay. But then about four in the morning hit, and I thought to myself, well, I can still be a good dad and just get up with him when he actually goes to the bathroom. <laughs> so, so, so that's what I did. I, I fell right asleep. I kept getting up with him, so I'm, I guess I'm an okay dad, not a great dad. But I couldn't stay awake. That never happens to God. We have five-hour energy. We have monster. God doesn't need those things. God never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's always awake and ready to help. Look at verse 5. The psalmist gives us the next picture of God's help. He tells us again that the Lord will watch over us. Then he says that the Lord is the shade at our right hand. In ancient times, warriors typically carried two items into battle, a shield and a sword. And typically the shield was in the left hand and the sword was in the right hand, which meant that the right side was vulnerable to attack. So the psalmist is saying that the, the Lord sets himself up in a deliberate, defensive position to protect you at your weakest point. The Lord is your shade at your right side, the place you're most vulnerable. Then verse 6, the psalmist speaks of two possible sources of harm that were common to the pilgrim. One was a source of harm from the sun, that the sun often caused sunstroke, a condition where the body becomes overheated and begins to fail, and sunstroke can be fatal. Then also, the psalmist says that the Lord will protect you from the moon. And the ancients thought that the moon also was a problem because the moon, there was a thing in the ancient world called moonstroke, where the moon would affect your mental capabilities, where the moon's rays would cause mental disease. It's where we get the word lunatic for anyone who has a mental disturbance. So in verse 6, the psalmist is saying God is going to protect you from the physical and from the emotional harms that may come your way. So God is our shamar. He's our helper. He's our protector. He won't fall asleep. He comes to your aid at your right side. He watches over us. He protects us. He helps us both, both physically and emotionally. And think about this. In fact, he's the only one that can truly help you. Amen. Your family, eventually they can't meet the need. Your friends, they move away. Finances run out. And the problem is often always too big for us individually, but not for God. God shows up. He's active and he provides help and he provides protection. God is your shamar. But I know that many of you are sitting here this morning and you're thinking, yeah, I heard your stories about Mozambique. I heard Ellie's story. I heard David's story. But what about me? because you don't know my journey. My journey is difficult. It's dangerous. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. 
I'm afraid. Who will help me? Can he help me? Where is he? There's a man in the Bible who asked the very same questions. His name is Job. There's a whole book in the Old Testament written about him. Job was a godly man. Job was a man who had everything that the world could offer. He had family, he had friends, he had land, he had riches, and it was all taken away from him. And Job began to ask the very same questions. Think about Job. He had to be afraid. What's coming next? Who's going to help me? Can he help me? Does he even want to help me? So Job begins to ask these questions, and then he begins to beg God, God, just answer me. Just show up and give me an answer. So you know what God does? Eventually he answers Job. In Job 38, this is how God answers Job. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimension? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. And for three more chapters and 118 more verses, God questions Job. Whew. And you may think that God is being tough on Job. And you may think that God is being too harsh with Job, but that is not at all what he is doing. What God is doing is God is asking Job these questions to help Job see how majestic, how powerful, and how active God himself actually is. So Job comes to the point after listening to these questions from God, he comes to the point and he replies to God and this is what Job says. After 118 verses, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. After God questions Job, Job comes to the understanding that God is majestic, he is powerful, and he is active, and all that he does is wonderful. And what I want you to know this morning is that God, who is powerful, majestic, and active, is not only powerful, majestic, and active in Ellie's life, in David's life, with the Mozambique team, in Job's life. He's active in your life. And this is what Paul says about that God in Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? In response to everything that happens, what shall we say then in response? If God is for us, 
Who can be against us? This God is your helper. He is your shamar. He protects you. The God who questioned Job is the God who is for each one of you. Now let's look at how the psalmist finished. Look at the last two verses. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Interestingly, the psalmist doesn't really try to convince us that the Lord is our helper. He simply declares it with stronger and stronger language. He tells us what it looks like. He tells us that the Lord is going to protect us with ever-increasing intensity. Look what he says. God will keep us from all harm. God will watch over our lives. God will watch over our comings and goings. And God will do all of that, both now and forevermore. These last two verses remind me of two corresponding passages in the New Testament. Two passages that I'd like you to look at with me. The first is found in Romans 8 again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then in the didoxology of the book of Jude, Jude writes this, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. The Lord God, the maker of heaven and earth, is your shamar. He is your helper. He is your protector. He is there and he is active and moving in your behalf. So if you are here this morning and your oldest child is leaving the house and you weep because time has gone too fast, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, will help you. If your company has transferred you across the country and you're separated from your family until your house sells, the Lord will be the shade at your right side. If you're here this morning and your mom and dad are getting a divorce and you wonder why, the Lord will not let your foot slip. He will not let the sun harm you by day nor the moon by night. If you're here this morning and you are facing a financial difficulty that just seems too overwhelming and too great, the Lord will help. He will preserve. If you are here this morning and you have been diagnosed 
with the diagnosis you did not want to hear. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, will keep you. He will help you. If you are here this morning and your spouse has passed away and you feel like part of you has been amputated, know that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, will watch over your life. The Lord is your shamar, your helper and your protector. Now we're going to do something different. I want all of you to stand with me. Because as I said earlier, there are some of you that are not dealing with any concerns right now, but they will come. But if you're like me, some of you are afraid and you're not sure. So together, we're going to recite those last two verses. And notice I changed the pronouns. So we're going to say them together. The Lord will keep me from all harm. He will watch over my life. The Lord will watch over my coming and going, both now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, you have heard our affirmation of the truth that you provide to us in Scripture. Lord, help this affirmation to become completely real to each one of us. Help each one of us to know in our hearts and in our minds that no matter what we face, no matter what trial, no matter what difficulty, no matter what danger we encounter on our journey, that you are our shamar. You are our helper and our protector. We love you, our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.